1: Our guest is Buck Joffrey. Thanks for being on the show, Buck. Thanks for having me, Whitney. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation, Buck. And uh, Buck is a surgeon turned entrepreneur and professional investor. He's the host of the Wealth Formula podcast and author of an international best-selling book focusing on financial education for high-paid professionals. Buck, thank you so much for your time. Give the listeners a little more about who you are and your focus right now.
2: Yeah, so you pretty much nailed it. I am an ex-surgeon. I finished my training about 10 years ago, but I I only practiced for probably about seven years. During that period of time, got really interested in real estate and other kinds of private investments. And so really I think gave myself an opportunity to leave medicine pretty quickly, right? After seven years of being out of residency training and then ultimately focusing on being a professional investor and, and a syndicator.
1: So why multifamily, why syndication?
2: Well, I mean, so listen, I think the answer to that is multifocal, But, but in terms of why syndication, I think for me, the interest initially started with real estate and real estate acquisitions in general, which I had started doing my on my own initially. I had a, a lot of luck early on, which also contributed to my ability to leave medicine early. So I had a lot of people who were interested in potentially investing with me. And that was something that uh, was new to me. What I realized pretty quickly is there was no reason why I couldn't do something at, uh, you know, the same type of thing at a much higher level. So rather than taking down two or three million dollar buildings, you're talking about taking down 25 or 30 million dollar buildings, you know. So that's why, that's why I went into the syndication route ultimately.
1: Nice. So, you know, would you share with the listeners a little bit about what you and I were talking about before we started recording and even up to, you know, your ability to, to raise capital now and how you've grown so quickly? I'd love for us to dive into that. I know that they would love to hear that.
2: Yeah, I think, um, first of all, what is syndication? I think that's one of the questions I think is really important for people to understand. When I first started thinking about the business of syndication, and how that looked. It was very different from what it ended up being in reality. So, I don't know about you. So, you know who Ken McElroy is? I do. So, Ken McElroy, real estate advisor to, to Robert Kiyosaki. So, Ken, I'd be, I'm an investor with Ken, a limited partner, but I've also gotten to kind of be friends with Ken in the last few years. And he comes to my events. And what I realized about Ken was, you know, when I used to look at him, I used to think he was a one man show. It was just the Ken McElroy show, right? But in fact, It's not quite like that. Like it's there's an entire business behind Ken and MC Companies. It's not a one-man show. So what is syndication? Ken McElroy is not syndication. Ken McElroy is a a company, MC Companies is a company that acquires and and operates real estate on behalf of its limited partners. Syndication specifically is just the act of raising capital, right? Mm -hmm. And so I bring that up because pulling these things apart is really important to succeeding in this area. If you are in this space, you are going to have a hard time if you're a one man show, right? If you invest with Ken, for example, you know, and you go to mccompanies.com and you sign up as an investor, you're not going to talk to Ken right there. You have like an acquisitions team. You have, you know, you have people who are onboarding investors. You have Ross, who's Ken's partner, doing all of the uh, financial side of stuff. So, my point is that understand that syndication is only one part of a business of acquisitions and management of whether that's multifamily real estate, whether that's self-storage, whatever the case may be. Now, in my case, understanding that syndication is about raising money and not about a specific asset gave me a lot of freedom because I said, well, listen, I'm interested in acquiring assets. I'm good at due diligence, but I don't really want to do due diligence. What I want to be is I want to be a guy who looks at deals. I'm a deal guy. I like to look at them, et cetera, find them. And if I'm interested in them for whatever reason, I can raise capital amongst my investors because my investors have a level of trust in me. So what that's given me the opportunity is to be sort of on the front lines, curating Opportunities and partnering with good operators and raising capital. But that's so I've carved out a niche for myself in that whole dynamic, that whole business. And that's what's been able to make me successful. The people who I think who have a lot of trouble in this area are the people who can't wrap their heads around it. Syndication is not about. Both being the guy who walks uh, 500 units to do due diligence, who's flying around the country doing acquisitions, who's doing the spreadsheet, and is also raising capital. That's, you're never going to get anywhere doing that. You're just not going to get anywhere. So I think that's what uh, my takeaway on that is.
1: No, I love that. I love that answer too, because it is is a team sport. I mean, no doubt about it. And, you know, we even talk a lot to people, a lot of people ask about hiring VAs and how we've been successful, even using VAs as part of our team. And, you know, and I'm just like, as soon as you can hire one, you know, let's hire one, because it is a team sport. You know, it is a team sport. And I love being able to be focused on certain things. And even, you know, my partner, just like you're talking about, you know, having a partner that's focused on other things. And so we we can do those roles much more efficiently. And get a lot better at them, and and provide a lot better service uh, as well uh, to our investors. But how did you find your niche? You know, how how did you do that? So you know, I I think it's important to be able to uh, to do that and think about that early on.
2: Yeah. So um, I mean, for me, it was somewhat easy in the sense that listen, I'm a physician, I'm a surgeon, and I was successful in alternative assets and real estate and some of these other things. So so there's not that many. People like me, and then on top of that, it actually started not with the intention of raising capital, but in, with the intention of my podcast. Wealth Formula Podcast is a completely financial; it's an education-based podcast, so it's not just about real estate. It's about the economy. It's uh, about fine art. It's about collector cars. You know, it's it's about all sorts of stuff, uh, but it's really focusing on an, a group of people that I I guess I used to be. One of those people, right? And so it's easy for me to talk to that person because I know what they're interested in, I know what they're not, and it's really fun for me. And so I actually started that podcast with zero idea that it would end up being a source of of investors, but the request started rolling in to me, and then now it's become much more systematic on how that works. But um, I think that finding the avatar and who you're speaking to first, and you know, I think at the end of the day, everybody. Everybody invests with, you know, ideally with people who they know, like, and trust. This is giving an opportunity for people to know, like, and trust me and understand how I think, which is really important.
1: I like that. I like that a lot. And, 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 you know, I'll let you share it if you're willing. Uh, you know, just like before we started recording, you briefly mentioned like the number of accredited investors and how much you've raised in the last 12 months. I think it's incredible. I don't know very many people, uh, you know, that have done that, and especially in this in a very short window since you started doing this. Yeah. And so, you know, congratulations to you as well. But I'd love for us to kind of hash that out a little bit and how you how you got to that level, how you started doing that, you know, within this last 12 months and what you've
2: accomplished. Well, you know, so I've been doing the podcast for three years, been trying to, I just get the idea of raising capital. Maybe about two and a half years ago, I started uh, something uh, on wellformula.com. I just put a little icon there that said accredited investor club. So if you're interested in, you know, looking at stuff and private placements, then click here. And if you meet these criteria, then, hey, you're part of a club. Who doesn't want to be part of a club, right? So that's the way it started. And then the first year was really slow. And it wasn't because I didn't have capital raised. I probably could have raised a lot of capital. I just didn't have anything I would ever invest in myself. Right. So if I wouldn't invest in something, I'm not going to take anybody else's money and have them invest in it, you know, without me. So I couldn't find any deals, but really, uh, I have a couple, you know, one main partner, a couple other sort of minor partners that I really, really liked, and who I felt like very comfortable to put my own money in with, and have a lot of my own capital into those operators, and have got good ships. And so, having that ability to have deal flow right now is really what's key. And so, it really just helps me to sort of um, at that point, you know, raise whatever capital is needed. So. You know, in terms of how much, um, yeah, it's it's been, it's a tricky thing because you don't want to, I don't think that how much money you raise is necessarily a badge of honor because you have to make sure that you're also putting your investor's money into things that you want to put it in, but, but placed about, probably about $70 million in the last 12 months. And that's, uh, you know, that's coming from a, a group of about a thousand accredited investors. And yeah, I mean, and probably active, I would say probably maybe 400 of them are really active. So only 400 of them came up with about 70 million bucks in the last 12, 12 months.
1: So, you know, I think having that, the club is a great idea. You know, I can see how people want to be in the club, right? You mm-hmm. know, it's a special thing. And so you said the first year was slow and then, you know, what really made that start to take off for you?
2: Just finding the partners. I think I probably could have raised even at, uh, that first year, I probably could have easily raised $20, $30 million if I actually found opportunities that I thought were right. worth people's money. But yeah, I just didn't find them.
1: So tell me now how you continue to market that, how you continue to grow that database, that club.
2: Yeah. So it's funny because I I don't really market it. The one thing with syndication that I knew it was going to be very difficult for me when I thought about doing it as a business was... I never want to ask anybody for money, just not the type, right? I'm just not uh, the guy who says, hey, you know, why don't you join me in this? It's just not my thing. It just kind of feels weird to me. It's awkward, right? But I think for me, it's really quite simple. I talk what I talk about. People learn how I think. More and more people listen to my podcast. And if they like the way I think, they begin to trust me and they join the investor group. So it's not you know, I never go out there and say, hey, you know, invest in my deal. I just don't do that. So I get people who come to me and they say, to well, invest in stuff. And then we have webinars and there's opportunities. And if they want to participate, they participate. And so the beauty of it for me is that I'm putting things out there that I can stand behind and that I'm putting my own money into. and I only offer opportunities which I think are compelling for some reason. And it's very easy for me to talk to people about something when I truly believe in it, like anybody else, right? But to your point, at the end of the day, it's all about something completely different. You know, people who are syndicating and doing multifamily you know, you see ads for opportunities and their Reg D506C and having pro and stuff. And we don't, I don't do that. Everything we do is a Reg D506B. They have to be in my group before you ever see a deal.
1: No, I like that. So, I mean, just them being in your group, you're showing that you had some previous relationship and that you've had some communication with them. And, you know, that's an awesome idea. And then you're, and you're helping educate them, I assume, through the group as well. Uh, you know, how are you doing that?
2: Well, all of, our, all of our webinars, first and foremost, are educational. I think whenever we have an opportunity, we'll have, a, you know, somebody, you know, the operator maybe is talking about the specific deal, but I'm, I'm on the webinar every time. And I'm talking about things I like about it. And I'm explaining things, explaining how things work and explaining why I think things are good. You know, it's not just a, a guy just with a bunch of stuff on a screen telling you what it is. So it becomes more of a conversation, becomes more education. In fact, I will say that I really believe that if, you know, just even watching our webinars, I think our, our investor group has gotten very sophisticated because we talk about a lot of the same concepts over and over and how to look at things as a limited partner. And so uh, that's they become pretty demanding, but that's good because it's just, you know, at the end of the day, you want people to who invest in your offerings to believe in it the way you do. You don't want a bunch of lemmings because if you have a bunch of lemmings and something for some reason goes wrong, then, then they're not going to be very understanding about it. And I don't want no surprises either. I don't want to be exactly. six
1: months in and them thinking there's something that I didn't share with them. Yep. I want them to understand the opportunity completely. And so is there a specific asset class you're looking for? What is your buying criteria?
2: Well, mostly, I think probably about 90% of what I'm doing is multifamily real estate. It tends to be sort of value add. It's heavy value add. Uh, B minus C plus focused on really only, you know, high quality markets. So Dallas, Houston, we have a huge footprint in Phoenix Scottsdale although we haven't done something there in a while. Um, Atlanta, I don't do tertiary markets. I just don't believe in going anywhere where there's artificial growth because people are chasing yield. Quality assets in quality areas. You know, I like multifamily in part because I grew up with multifamily. I understand it. You know, I feel very comfortable with it. But I think in terms of what I am really, really rigid about is that I don't buy into the buy and hope model. Mm-hmm. In other words, I don't think we're in a good environment for that right now. Uh, where you buy something and just hope things continue to go up in price and rents continue to rise, I think you have to really go in there with a plan of driving an up net operating income based on really good analytics, really good data and then driving income into these properties. And if you get lucky and the market still happens to be headed up or is on an upward trajectory when you want to sell, then that's icing on the cake. But that's how I would describe our acquisitions.
1: What's been the, is the hardest part of the syndication process for you?
2: It's a good question. I think sometimes um, you, know, you just want to make sure that, I just like to make sure that investors before they invest really understand the deal. Right. Uh, after a while, if investors start believing you and trusting you, they'll start, they'll a lot of times invest in pretty much anything that you do. And I have people like that. But, and, and I let them do that because I also know they've, they've been around for long enough to understand, they have the level of sophistication to understand what they're getting into. But I think having people actually who are too willing to give you money sometimes is, is a problem and you need to be aware of it and it's it's sort of counterintuitive as a syndicator but you have to you have to make sure your everybody is aware of the plan because sometimes it can be a pain i mean we'll have opportunities where we know that there was no real plan for a distribution in the first year and then i you know if you get an email from an investor 4 months later saying hey i haven't seen a check yet well no kidding go you know go back and watch that webinar it just you know drive you crazy so you just got to make sure everybody understands
1: is there a tip you can provide there, how you, how you make sure that everybody understands things like that outside of just doing a webinar?
2: You know, I I don't know that there's much you can do outside of the webinar. I think that, you know, the nice thing about a webinar and a nice thing about things that are recorded are that oftentimes what you can do is, hey, you know, here's the link to the webinar so you can go back and watch this. But, you know, just so you know, during this Talk at this point, we said this. And so you're providing not only, you know, you're telling them the way it's supposed to be. And then you're showing them also because you have recorded, this is what I told you. Right. Right. See, go back and listen to it again.
1: Is there a way that you've recently improved your business that we could all apply to ours?
2: Well, I don't know that it's recent, but I think the biggest tip that I can give everybody out there is what we talked about again you have to understand what your niche in the business is in this whole business of acquisitions and uh, you know of running a company that or running whatever company it is that you do you know are you are you a deal guy are you a, are you the guy who's really good at raising capital are you the guy who you know who's really good at due diligence and i think trying to identify what it is that you're really good usually it's something that you really like to do and then I think really just understanding what your weaknesses are, and then finding people as partners to do that, because I think the challenge is people get sometimes get greedy, they think, "Well, gosh, you know if we get too many partners, then the, the then we'll get le- paid less and all that. But you know, I mean, first of all, you're going to do a much better job if you have the right team in place. And second of all, I mean, you can do a lot more uh, deals, right? Uh, You can, you know, we've, like as I've raised probably, you know, it's about 70 million in the last 12 months. I mean, I couldn't do that if I didn't have a substantial team uh, to go out there and execute all this.
1: Couldn't agree with you more, and and I, I think it's very important early on exactly what you said, learning about or figuring out what your niche is going to be, but thinking about your strengths and building that team to fit those things that you're not good at, or maybe just things you just don't want to do or like to do. Right. Um, that's you know, it's great that you've been able to build that kind of business. And one thing I thought you could probably speak on though, that I know is a big topic in the industry right now is finding. You know, we're thinking about, and we don't have time a lot of time to go into it in depth probably, but I thought you could speak on finding those key. Partners like that, and how you've done that. Because I see so many people who are just so quick to hop on a deal. They know nothing about the deal. They haven't seen the deal, you know, but they're so anxious to get that first one done, right? Uh, but but they they know nothing about the team or the deal. They've done none of that due diligence. Well, uh, but I thought I think you that's could a speak major on how problem, you've done that. Yes, I agree.
2: Um, I think it's a major problem in this space. I really do. And I think the problem with it is that it's very short sighted. You know, there are people who, basically you'll find like you know one guy in the community who's, who's got a bunch of deals and they you have know, a bunch of deals and and they're all raising as much as they can and bringing it in and getting a piece of the pie. So there's so many problems with that. First of all, it's not legal to do that. <laughs> um and you know certainly people are you may be fine, but that is something to consider is you know you're breaking SCC laws right. and things like that when you do things like that. But the other thing is Remember the first year I could, I probably could have raised, you know, 20 million bucks the first year. I didn't do that. I raised maybe a couple million for a small deal that I I thought was worth putting in front of people. And I think people will understand over a period of time who they can trust and they can't. I think if you are in a situation where you don't even know the team that you're putting yourself behind, it's going to come out pretty quickly. And the other thing is reputation matters and you know brand association matters. I've purposely kind of stayed away from some of the operators that seem to be in the middle of every syndicator is dealing with a specific operator or something. I, I usually don't like to deal with those operators because invariably somebody somewhere is going to do something that's not going to turn out well. And, and I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to have brand association with right. that. But I think from a long-term perspective, being hyper, hyper protective of your personal brand at the expense of profit right now is really, really, in my opinion, a very, very sound thing to do.
1: Great advice right there. Hyper protective, Yeah. For your brand. That's awesome. And and thinking long-term, I appreciate you mentioning that too. I think it's very short sighted very you know, short vision thinking about, you know, just getting in this deal and getting this done. And, and, you know, these investors, you and the investors are tied to this operator for the life of that deal then. Um, But uh, but yeah, thank you for sharing that.
2: Well, if you want it to be your career too, I mean, people don't keep going back to investors when they lose money. Right. They just don't.
1: (laughs) What is your, your, is your, your number one you know top thing for for caring for investors and how you stand out in that
2: manner I think transparency is really important you know and I think when you deal with an operator, you have to make sure that that your investors are getting the best possible opportunity. there are certain things that i I won't do like for example i don't i don't do sub syndications where you know there's a i'm heading some limited partnership into a uh, general partnership so that i can Take off piece of the LP and, you know, take it with me. I don't do any of that. I want people to have the best possible outcome, whether they invest with my group or with, without me, you know. Um, so those are things that are important. I think just trying to, again, not be stingy, don't be evil. And at the end of the day, just, you know, put your investors first. I do that. And I, I do that because for me too, it's, it's a very much in my conscious all the time is, is like, you know, I feel. Bad. I feel very bad when people lose money. So I don't want them to lose money and I want them to make money. And so if you truly believe those things, you probably belong in this game. If you don't, you probably won't last for long. So, something
1: that we haven't talked about, what's the top one thing that's contributed to your success? But
2: I would say it's branding. It's, it's my brand. How do you like to give back? Well, I think, I think my giving back is my podcast, ultimately. I mean, it's, um, it's not like uh, I don't really make any money from the podcast. And I've been doing it for a long time. Well, I mean, three years is not a long time, but I've been doing it for three years and well before there was any monetization. And so I think for me, doing podcasts that really have nothing to do with my syndication business, my podcasts sort of stand on their own. They're about you know, personal finance. They're about you know, asset protection or tax mitigation or looking at other opportunities uh, outside of multifamily real estate. So I think probably the educational is probably my biggest, um, biggest giving back and the strength of the brand.
1: Buck, you've been a fabulous guest. I appreciate you just talking about how you've gotten to the place you're at now and just the importance of understanding the, the long-term vision of being in the syndication business and the team aspect and finding those partners that crucial element, uh, finding the the right partner. And so tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you.
2: Yeah, I mean Wealth Formula podcast, uh, I'm on there every week. Uh, it is uh it's on iTunes, Stitcher, the usual places and uh yeah, I mean if you're interested in just kind of financial education, that's, that's really what it's about. It tends to be sort of focused at higher paid individuals. So, you know, there's, so it's, it's definitely a niche show. And if that sounds like it's of interest to you, then tune in.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much, Buck. You got it. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode.